Welcome to the Emergency to Emergence minicast, produced by Sterling College. I'm Nakasi Fortune. And I'm Dakota Lacroix. Join us as we spend a few more minutes with our guests, lifting up the people, expressions, and material that inspire or nourish them. In these brief interludes, we'll connect with our listeners, our guests, and the thinkers, authors, artists, and activists who are not only engaging in ecological thinking and action, but also fostering community-engaged responses that offer hope. And joining us again today is David Gilligan. And David, we had a lovely conversation previously. We sure did. You know, about the Wilderness Field Program, your relationship with the backcountry, and just your love for working in those spaces mm. with students. And for all of this wonderful work that you do, who are some of the people that have motivated you or are currently motivating you along this journey? Wow. Um so many different people come to mind, it's hard to know exactly where to start. And for a lot of different reasons, I'll start with, uh, with Sky Leone. When I was a, a college student in 1994, um, I had recently transferred out to Prescott College to augment philosophy and religion studies with natural history and ecology. Uh, and Prescott College, uh, they were doing a lot of field programs, but not enough and not for long enough. I really wanted months out there. So I signed up for a program with an organization called the Sierra Institute, which at the time was out of University of California, Santa Cruz. And we spent eight weeks in the Sierra Nevada of California um, doing a, a program very similar to, to what we're doing with the Wilderness Field Program. And my mentor was this, this, this person named Sky Leone who um, was 19 years, 18 years my senior, had been doing these types wow. of programs for about a decade and just seemed to be winning and living the dream and had this gleam in his eye and the spring in his step. And, and I was like, I want that. Part of the reason that Sky was a big mentor for, for me was that he wasn't just teaching or professing a certain ideology. He was, he was fully living the experience and helping other people to live that experience as well. About two-thirds of the way through the program, we hiked down into Yosemite Valley. I got on a payphone. I pumped it full of quarters. I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I know exactly who I want to be when I grow up. And that was, that was the beginning of inspiration to finish my undergraduate, go to graduate school, and start making programs like this happen. So hats off to Sky and all the other wilderness field practitioners from that era in the 1990s. They really influenced us in, in a big way. A few other mentors that come to mind for me are, you know, there's, there's kind of this, this canon of, of nature writers that came out of that same time period. Most of these people are, are people who grew up in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Um, Terry Tempest Williams, Gretel Ehrlich, Rachel Carson, um, and uh, Barry Lopez, Jack Turner, and earlier than that, the earlier generation, uh, mostly men that we hear about from the earlier generation, John Muir, um, Henry David Thoreau, uh, Aldo Leopold. Um, the writings of those individuals have been hugely formative for me and have really pushed me to look for similar ideologies in other uh, wisdom traditions and cultures around the world. And there, it's all there. Uh, the, the American nature philosophers didn't invent any of this stuff. In fact, they, they took it from other people um, and blended it in a way that was uniquely American and inspired by the raw elemental wilderness that we have here. So that's been huge. And I followed those inspirations and lineages back further to the Eastern wisdom traditions, to the multiplicity of indigenous traditions in North America and, and the rest of the world. 
and it just goes back and back and back. Yeah, we're part of a really rich heritage of of being human. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, David. Are there any movies or social media that's current or from the past? Any anything in that realm that really sparked something in you or just caught your eye and, and caught your attention? Yeah, totally. I mean, social media for me is a campfire. Um, seriously, <laughs> like I've never seen, I've never even seen Facebook or any of the other forms of things that people call what I would call digital social media because social media is millions of years old. I mean, I watch animals do it all the time. Um, yeah. so that's my idea of social media, but I do love film and, uh, We've taught a class here called Nature Culture Consciousness. It's a course that I teach. And we have a film series in there. Some of my favorite films are um, Carol Ballard's uh, directs uh, Never Cry Wolf. It came out oh, in the 1980s. Gosh, yeah. Stunning film. Every time I watch that film, yeah. and I've been watching it since the eighth grade, I'm like, can it be that I've never really seen this film before? There's so many layers to it. A couple of other ones that really stand out include... Uh, Ten Canoes by Rolf de Hoer. He's an Austrian director who worked in conjunction with the uh, Aborigines of the Darwin area of Australia to create a film about themselves, telling a story about themselves in the archaic oh, past. Wow. Beautiful film, very rich. Um, and Artenar Jouat, The Fast Runner, is a similarly themed film produced by uh, uh, Zacharias Kanuk and his outfit in, in northern uh, Nunavut about the, the Inuit telling themselves a story about themselves in the archaic past, about how to live and how not to live. So obviously, the, a lot of, all these films have <laughs> yeah. a theme of nature and the human spirit that runs through most of the things I'm interested in. And I also grew up on Star Wars. So if you ever want to talk about pop culture, Star Wars is about as far <laughs> as I can go. <laughs> well, that's the, all of those that you've listed seem very interesting. Um, and I should probably check them out sometime. Uh, are there any organizations whose work uh, we could be following and, and gaining some knowledge from? Yeah. Um, well, we've, we've recently established a partnership with the Natural History Institute in Arizona, and we'll be, the Wilderness Field Program will be collaborating with them on developing curriculum and working with some of their folks. Um, and they're all about natural history renaissance in the 21st century. Tiny. I mean, I think the solution to industrial scale challenges are human scale, small scale, because the solutions can't be industrial scale because that's, <laughs> that's the big issue. So I think the power of really small organizations and, and groups of people is, can have a disproportionately awesome effect on some of the challenges that we face. Natural History Institute is awesome. Um, I, I'm totally inspired by Croca Expeditions right down the road in New Hampshire and Misha Golfman and his crew's vision for where wilderness meets consciousness. Mm. I mean, Misha is basically doing for primary and secondary education what we're trying to do through this program to higher education, rewilding, taking mm. it back to um, learning in our natural place. And they've been amazingly successful. Their programs are doubling and tripling. They're fully enrolled. We have a lot to learn from them. We're also partners with them. Those are a few organizations that just come to mind immediately. And, and of course, I'm thinking about organizations that are centered around wilderness and natural history and being in the field. 
Well, David, thank you so much um, for sharing these resources. Yeah, with us, some great uh, stuff. Today. Yeah, definitely things worth um, checking out. So thank you for your time. Sure. Yeah, thank you so much, David. And before we come to a close, Sterling acknowledges that the land on which we gather, places now known as Vermont and Kentucky, are the traditional and unceded territories of several indigenous peoples, the Abenaki in the north and the Shawnee, Cherokee, Chickasaw and Osage people to the south. We also learn in and from a range of landscapes that belong to other indigenous peoples and more than human kin. As we seek deep reciprocal relationships with nature, we respect and honor the place-based and cultural wisdom of indigenous ancestors and contemporaries. Words of acknowledgement and intention are just a first step. We must match them with acts of respect and repair. Thanks so much for listening. You can subscribe to Emergency to Emergence wherever you listen to podcasts. And a very special thanks to Sterling alum Fern Maddy for her musical creations. For more information on how Sterling is advancing ecological thinking and action, visit www.sterlingcollege.edu. If listening has prompted something new to emerge in you, we invite you to share your thoughts as a written message or voice recording, which you can send to podcast at sterlingcollege.edu. Until next time, this is Emergency to Emergence.